Welcome to this week's edition of Ocean Allison, where I bring you the best in ocean science, education, and conservation through conversations with people who are creating positive change for the ocean. Ocean Advocate is Chris Silphone. Chris is an award-winning filmmaker, a whale-watching naturalist in Hawaii, and the founder of the Be Blue Movement. Hi, Chris. Welcome to the show. Aloha, Allison. Thank you for having me. This is awesome. I'm very excited to do this. Yeah, thank you for joining us all the way from Hawaii. So um, just to give our listeners a bit of some background, I recently met Chris at the Blue Ocean Film Festival and Conservation Summit in Monaco, which was an incredible event. And Chris's film, One Voice, actually won an award for Best Short Film Under 15 Minutes, um, which is really amazing. Congratulations, Chris. Thank you. Thank you. So... You are having a lot of successes right now. Um, you've done a really, a lot of really incredible things for ocean conservation. But I want to kind of take a step back and uh, get to the base of your passion for for the ocean and helping to protect it. Can you talk talk to us a little bit about your childhood and your relationship with the ocean, kind of growing up? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'm originally from Connecticut. You know, I've been out here on Hawaii for the last four years. Before I moved here, I was in the Florida Keys, but everything basically started in Connecticut. Every summer, my family and I, we would uh, take these long family vacations with my mom, my dad, my sisters, my cousins, aunts, uncles, grandparents, pets, everyone, to the uh, Rhode Island coastline, actually. And um, that's kind of where my passion for the ocean kind of started and was developed back then. You know, I remember... Very vividly, um, early mornings, walking down the beaches, combing the beaches for anything from seaweed to little tiny crabs to maybe one, one time we found a turtle shell washed up. And I mean, just the the mystery behind it all, like what else was out there? Going out on the beach, you never know what you're going to find. That's kind of what really started the whole interest in the ocean and the excitement of what else is out there. But uh, I distinctively remember like the turning point when I decided that, hey, I want to make dealing with the ocean my life. This is going to be awesome. It was in my summer year going into junior year of of high school. Yeah, it was the summer going into the junior year of high school. I was in our oceanography club and honestly, Torrington High School hasn't having an oceanography club is a miracle in itself. Um we're about three hours or so from the ocean. I mean Torrington High School, Torrington in general, Connecticut in general isn't the most synonymous with uh ocean or ocean conservation, but Regardless, everyone joined the uh, Oceanography Club for the very end-of-the-year trip to uh, the Florida Keys, which down there I specifically remember on a snorkel trip on these like pristine reefs in this crystal-clear blue water, this massive eagle ray floating, flying basically right underneath me. And me, 
coming from Connecticut and the waters off of Connecticut and off of Rhode Island and New England in general, the cold, kind of murky, really green waters to going down there to Florida, the clear, warm, brightly colorful waters, it just clicked. Like, yep, I'm going to do this for the rest of my life. And then, I mean, going into school, going into college, I knew exactly from the first day of freshman year, marine biology all the way. Awesome. And where'd you, where did you go to college? That's a funny question to ask. I started at the <laughs> University of Rhode Island, but as soon as I kind of entered college, I kind of couldn't sit still for very long, and I bounced around a bit. So I started at URI, went up to the University of Alaska Southeast in Juneau, Alaska. Uh, then I went down to the University of Alabama in Tuscaloosa, Roll Tide, by the way, 16th National Championship just the other day. <laughs> Um, but then I graduated back from the University of Rhode Island with a degree, um, a Bachelor's of Science in Marine Biology and uh, also in Film Theory as well. Okay, so you so you started at Rhode Island and you ended in Rhode Island, um, all in Marine Biology, but you kind of bounced around to, sounds like, some really cool places uh, along the way. Yeah, basically. It was really cool because, I mean, I got to experience the ecosystems on basically all ends of the spec the spectrum so up in new england up in alaska down in the gulf at the university of alabama and everything it's really cool yeah really cool so do you feel like getting those experiences while you were in college kind of seeing different areas of the coastline and different marine life um kind of really getting out there in the field do you think that really also helped to inspire you more oh yeah absolutely because i mean you can only see so much off the coasts of like Connecticut and Rhode Island. Going up to Alaska was like my first real introduction to what possibly else could be out there. All the whales, all the seals and sea lions, the different types of algae, uh, the mega and the microfauna as well. So I absolutely think in a credit going to all of these different places that to kind of help drive the passion that I have now and the wonder of what else again could be out there. Yeah, that's really great. I, I think getting as much diversity in your experiences can really increase that passion. Yeah. So. And I mean, not just ocean, but like the different cultures surrounding the ocean and all those different places too. I think that helped drive the curiosity as well, how different people from different parts of the world view the ocean, the native Alaskans to the uh, real southern folks down in Alabama, it's up in New England, um, and then on the Florida Keys, and then out now here out in Hawaii, how different cultures really view the ocean. It's kind of helped with that progression of the passion as well. Yeah, because, you know, it's it's not just about the ocean, it's about how people treat the ocean, as, right, as yeah. you know. So, so, yeah, that's a really great point to bring up. So, so like you said, you are now living in Hawaii, you've been there for four years, and you are working as a whale naturalist on a, a boat with Pacific Whale Foundation. Is that right? That is correct. Awesome. And so can you just kind of give us a brief description of what you do as a naturalist on that boat? Yeah, it's super cool. Right now is like the perfect time. Uh, middle of January, we are kind of right entering the peak of our whale season right now. So we're at the busiest time right now. The whales are coming down from Alaska. There's hundreds of people coming out every single day to see them. And me, as a naturalist, I have the 
opportunity and the pleasure to be the one on the microphone telling these people all about these whales, you know, putting in the science in between the jokes and everything, entertaining people. But basically what I try to do throughout the trip with the whales kind of as the best teaching aid imaginable is to uh, spark conservation through inspiration. And I mean, sometimes it's easier than others. I mean, if you have a whale breaching, jumping out of the water, maybe 20 feet from your boat, it's going to be the easiest thing to do. But if you're just seeing a whale way off on the distance, miles away, it's a little bit trickier. So I like that, um, that dynamic, that potential to hopefully spark inspiration. Yeah, that's really great. And and using the the science, um, but also your skills in communication. You know, you have the you have the marine science degree and background and I'm sure Pacific Whale Foundation has a lot of really great research to back up all of their messages, but but you using your science communication and conservation communication skills, um, I'm sure that that is really a very important tool in the process. It is, yeah. Whenever I'm talking to anyone from back home, my friends from high school, my grandma, I'm always describing my job basically as the liaison from the scientific community to the general public about these whales and about the ocean. That's a great way to put it. So so to go along with that, to kind of go back to what we were talking about in the very beginning about your film, your award-winning film uh, called One Voice, I know you've told me before that it was inspired actually by the whales that you um, go out and see and that you, you know, promote the conservation of. So do you want to give us a brief description of One Voice, kind of what inspired it and, and what's it about? Yeah, it was. I mean, I've been doing this particular job here in Hawaii with these whales for the last four or so years, almost four years now. And I mean, right from the bat, I remember coming in and having to write all these outlines and going through all these classes about the whales and everything. And I mean, just listening to all the statistics and all the, and basically just the status of the whales, I was like, just kind of formulating these ideas in my head. And they all kind of culminated in the one little statement that these animals are basically one of the greatest success stories in conservation history. I mean, they were hunted basically to the brink of extinction. The early 70s, they they brought us close to no return. There are only about 500 or so left in the entire North Pacific. Um, But then, of course, Dr. Roger Payne, he discovered the whale song. He made it public. National Geographic was involved. And basically, that whole idea, that whole song of these humpback whales started this Save the Whales campaign, which ultimately leaded to their leading to their um basically their survivalhood of the species we're looking at in the last 40 or 50 years a population going from 500 now up to close to 25,000 whales which is incredible i mean 40 years 50 years it's less than one lifetime we've witnessed one of the greatest success stories so i just try to make that clear through the video and on all the trips that i narrate as well that uh Things can definitely change. And I mean, all it really took was one scientist discovering that these whales could sing this song. That's why I kind of title the film One Voice, 
because it is. It's this one collective voice from the humpback whales singing basically their hearts out. Um, still kind of unbeknownst to researchers and scientists why they do it. But the fact that there's another species on this planet besides humans that can compose these symphonies is just mind-blowing to me and apparently to a lot of other people too. Yeah, obviously it's it's mind-blowing to many other people because the Save the Whale campaign literally saved the whales. Yeah, yeah so, properly named. And we've, we've talked about uh, this a little bit at the film festival. We talked about the fact that you shot your entire film, One Voice, just using a GoPro. Yeah, um, yes. Can, can you talk a little bit about that? Because I, I just love that you you came into this really prestigious, you know, Blue Ocean Film Festival with all these incredible other filmmakers that are using very fancy equipment. And, uh, you know, you win an award and just using a GoPro. So, yeah, can you just talk a little bit about, you know, how you used it and, and why? Yeah, it was, it was pretty surreal. And I don't know if you remember, but, yeah, when I was up there talking, it was the most crazy thing for me to think about that five months or six months before the Blue Ocean Film Festival when I was just kind of putting together the film just using a GoPro, using basically a bootleg or free version of an editing software um, to then winning an award for that film. is crazy. But honestly, I mean, I work for a nonprofit, Pacific Whale Foundation. I don't make a lot of money, so I really can't afford those crazy expensive cameras that most people in the documentary film business use. But a GoPro is kind of revolutionizing the whole cinematic world. These little tiny cameras that you would expect to find or look like they come out of a Happy Meal are now able basically to produce cinematic footage, able to be displayed on these massive screens in movie theaters, 4K quality cinema. Um, and for a very, very fraction of the cost of one of these big cameras that most people in the industry and in the um, documentary field used these days. So I bought one of those before the season even started. Um, I didn't even want to spend like the 40 or 50 bucks on like the proper pole for it either. So I made my own out of like a, it's like a car wash broom handle that telescopes waterproof, you know, a Jerry rig PVC on it, a uh, three fourths inch screw for the tripod mount and everything. And yeah, it was, it's basically just me going out on the water and getting extremely lucky. Sitting there waiting for whales to get close enough to uh, basically just stick the pole with the camera on the end in the water and just pray for the best. GoPros, they're great, but they're really more of a, a point in hope. So I never knew <laughs> I never knew what I got until I actually got back home and put it on the computer and then uh, looking at the footage and saw these massive whales staring right back at the camera. Man, what a good feeling that was. I, I like that point in hope. Um, but, but yeah, it really does show you how not only can you make a really high-quality film using a GoPro, which you did, but you can really inspire people, inspire change and, and conservation, um, yeah, using a pretty basic technology yeah and that's kind of um, what i was going for too you know going into uh the film festival at blue um basically coming in with this film that first of all was chosen to be as a finalist and then eventually won 
but made off of a budget that basically anyone can afford. And that's kind of one of the other things that I wanted to maybe inspire potentially young filmmakers, kids in high school, middle school, maybe interested about filmmaking, that you don't need these like $10,000 cameras to make a good movie. You just need basically a good story and... um and a lot of passion. And a lot of passion, that's right. And maybe a little bit of luck here and there. And so kind of going off of that, you have started a movement called Be Blue. Yeah. And uh, it, it seems really successful and, and like it has a really great message behind it. I love uh, the Be Blue movement. Can you uh, share your tagline with us? Because I, I love that tagline. Yeah, I mean, I and basically every narration with this one line um for the most part i think it's the tag the end and tagline on my emails too and basically i try to always encourage people to continue to go green but always remember to be blue at the same exact time so so can you kind of give us a bit more of of what that means obviously going green that's a very popular saying that has been around for a number of years um but yeah, you kind of added on the be blue. So yeah. can you can you give us a bit about that? Yeah, I mean, it was probably like five, maybe six years ago now. I was working at uh, this place called Sea Camp. It's a marine science camp for kids in the Florida Keys, and um, I was one of the the lead instructors, the lead science instructors, and at one point in the year, I think it was in February, actually, we have this thing called International Weekend where we get a hundred or so kids from basically all over the world, many different countries. I think the weekend I was there, we had like 50 different countries represented represented by all these kids. So it was crazy. It was incredible. Um, but the director of the camp before this weekend happened came up to me and was like, hey, since you've been here kind of longest you know what to do, you know what's going on. I want you to kind of come up with a speech and be like the ending keynote, the last thing that they hear as they're here at camp. So I was like, um, okay, sure. <laughs> so this was like a month before, so I had a month to plan it and figure things out. Um, but I was doing research on what to say and kind of coming up with these ideas and just nothing was fitting until I read this uh this article in outside magazine about uh dr wallace j nichols and his whole blue marble movement and everything i was like oh that's that's really cool i like that um so i emailed him and i told him what i was doing and what was going on and he agreed to donate to me like 200 blue marbles to give out to the kids is kind of like a a tangible thing they can hold in the hand that represents ocean conservation so uh, he gave me those marbles and then i kind of just formulated this whole speech around them this like interactive speech where there were squirt bottles involved and breeze <laughs> made from fans it was really cool like one of the coolest things i've ever like formulated and did um to the public but uh, that's kind of how it started and i remember distinctively i was sitting on a picnic table one evening before this whole event happened, like working on the speech. And I was just thinking, everyone always talks about going green, going green. You hear going green this, going green that. But what is that? What does that even mean? What does that really mean? Like without the ocean producing the oxygen, without 
the ocean basically driving the planet, there wouldn't be any green. Um, so then I kind of did some more research there, and I found Sylvia Earles, Dr. Sylvia Earles' kind of TED Talk prize wish. And, like, everything she was saying is what I was thinking at the same time. So I was like, yeah, people can continue to go green, but they also have to be blue at the same time. I mean, going green is great, but in all honesty, everybody always talks about going green to help save the planet. But in all actuality, our planet is 73% covered in water. The planet we call home is majority blue. So again, I try to always encourage people to uh, to go green, but always remember to be blue at the same time. That's it's really, really well said. And I, I love that you drew inspiration from people like Wallace Nichols and, and Sylvia Earle yeah. um, and, and, and really created something of your own, but, but that really, you know, rests on the, on the shoulders of them, um, before you. So that's really great. And I'm sure that those kids, uh, at Sea Camp that you talked to were very, very inspired, um, going home. Yeah. I mean, I still get emails, Facebook messages from some of them talking about ocean related things. So it's really cool. That's great. That's really great. And and that's that's a goal of this podcast really is to highlight the work that incredible ocean advocates and conservationists like yourself are are doing to, you know, not just inspire kids but inspire really anyone that's listening um to be blue like you say. Yes, I love it. I think it's such a good yeah. idea. Yeah. Well, I I really can't thank you enough for joining us today. I really enjoyed talking to you and um I hope I hope you enjoyed being on the show as well. Absolutely loved um, it. There will be a link to Chris's One Voice documentary um, on my uh, website and social media channels, so definitely check that out. And also a link to his uh, Be Blue social media channel, so you can uh, follow him, message him, tell him how inspiring he is, run any ideas by him that you have, because like Chris did with uh, Wallace Nichols and Sylvia Earle and things like that, he really used what what they've done to uh, inspire him to create something new. So I hope that anyone listening will feel the same thing that he's felt and and maybe contact him to uh, get some inspiration. That's the goal. Awesome. Cool. Well, thank you so much, and uh, uh, we'll all continue to be blue. Yes, be blue, please. Aloha. You just heard Chris Silphone, award-winning ocean conservation filmmaker and founder of the Be Blue Movement. To learn more about the topics discussed in this podcast, visit my website at allisonrandolph.com. And tune in to next week's episode of Ocean Allison to hear another conversation between me and someone creating positive change for the ocean. <laughs>